Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. The Labor Board's message to Starbucks, negotiate with your workers now. Meanwhile, walk out at Trader Joe's. And today on the show, IBEW Local 136 will check in with them in Birmingham, Alabama, and the latest from the United Labor Agency. Welcome to the Wednesday, January 4th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora and Stitcher. Let's see. We've got two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Bill Blackman. Bill is the business manager of IBEW Local 136. They're based in Birmingham, Alabama. Website IBEW136.org. Right on their homepage, they say that we are the most well-trained electrical workforce in Alabama. And uh, they cover the area of Birmingham and Central Alabama, and this is a local that was chartered back in 1912. Now, we had Bill on the show, I want to say, probably uh, 6 to 12 months ago. Do so many shows, sometimes I lose track. But uh, last time we had him on, he was trying to uh, push through a responsible bidder ordinance. Well, in March of last year, The Birmingham City Council passed a resolution stating that responsible bidders should be participating in Department of Labor accredited apprenticeship programs. Well, guess what? In a couple of months, in March of this year, that resolution will become a law. Bill says this has helped our organizing efforts and it's created conversations with existing open shop contractors and he says is the best kind of organizing because not only do you get the cream of the contractors' employees, but they also bring their work hours with them as well. This is nothing new. Responsible bidder programs have been around a long time. Just Google that and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, Bill's going to delve into that. The other issue is um, getting union members to start their own their own shops, become business owners. And um, he says that this has been very successful, and they've been doing uh, classes with a group called Pro Union Consulting. And what they do, essentially, is teach their members, they have classes that instruct them on how they can become a business owner and obviously have a union shop. And they also get into SBA loans, grants, and other things that you would need to start up your business. I mean, they get into all the particulars, and we'll talk about that as well. So uh, Bill Blackman, sounds like he's doing a great job organizing down there. There is a lot of organizing going on in the state of Alabama, probably more so than any state in the South. There's still a right-to-work state, but... uh, They're waking up to unions down there. There's no doubt about that. Dave Meganhart will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the United Labor Agency, longtime sponsor of America's Workforce, ULAgency.org. hear me talk about that all the time. ULA has a history of providing innovative programming to the communities they serve all through Northeastern Ohio. And back in 2008, 
they kind of changed their business model and they focused on workforce development, making sure that the workers of the future and today have the skills that they need to grow in that workforce. And they've been doing a great job, great job on that. And uh, this is an organization that started, uh, let's see, it's going to be 52 years ago in Cleveland, Ohio. A couple things we're going to get into. They have a job fair that's coming up at the end of this month in one of the suburbs, Euclid, Ohio. And also we're going to talk about their Fresh Start program, which deals with uh, those who have been addicted to opioids. And they're trying to get them huh, a new start in life. It's it's a it's a major issue in this country right now. And Dave Meganhart is going to address that as and more as our second guest on the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. $17 billion in assets under advisement. BoydWatterson.com is your website. Starbucks Coffee continues to make headlines in its response to the unionization wave that has occurred in its stores just over a year now. Well, get this. Here's the latest. The National Labor Relations Board filed a complaint against Starbucks for refusing to negotiate with 21 stores in Washington and Oregon. The complaint follows a recent board ruling that Starbucks has failed to negotiate at a Seattle roastery location. Now, this is pretty significant. This marks the first time that the board has filed a complaint against the store for failing to bargain with multiple locations, though similar complaints may be coming down the pike here. Right now, check this out. Starbucks racked up 50 board complaints, totaling to over 1,000 labor law violations. And this is just about a year of organizing. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just break the law. It doesn't matter. Meanwhile, workers at a unionized Trader Joe's store in Minneapolis walked out on New Year's Eve. The workers who unionized over last summer staged a walkout after the company cut hours for union-supporting workers and increased hours for new hires. The workers also demanded the company to bargain fairly and swiftly. Now, that Trader Joe's location is one of two unionized stores in the country in response to union organizing drives at multiple locations last summer, Trader Joe's hired the notorious union-busting law firm Littler Mendelssohn. This law firm has been in a number of uh, anti-organizing drives. And I just want to take you to uh, a short clip here. There's an organization called More Perfect Union. They've been doing great work. More Perfect Union, if you want to Google them, you'll see a bunch of stuff on YouTube about organizing drives and how workers are putting up a big fight. And this is one dealing with Trader Joe's. Let's listen here on America's Workforce. I don't think Trader Joe's has been bargaining in good faith at all. The company is purposely dragging out the process. We actually were in bargaining session and asked them multiple times, do you plan on kicking people off of retirement? And they said no. And then we say, um, well, can you put that in writing? And they say no. We're looking to agree on things like safety, benefits, wages, and create a contract that will actually 
meet the needs of crew members at our stores and take care of us. They rejected all of our proposals. The longer this gets dragged out, I think the more it would just harm the company's reputation. The company is interested in wearing us down and wearing us out. That's not possible. The way I would describe bargaining to someone who's never bargained before, if you took all your coworkers and came up with a list of demands and reasons why your workplace is not working and took that to your boss, and then if you just threw in some high-powered lawyers and two tables <laughs> in a conference room, then you'd have a bargaining session. We want to make wages that truly allow us to live comfortably, to enjoy life. We would like protections at work that make us feel safe. We want to be able to plan for a future, to plan for children. But we will fight as hard as we need to fight in order to help win that. Uh, they have two lawyers in the room who have never worked at Trader Joe's. There's been an enormous amount of time wasted. We've spent hours and hours explaining how basic tasks work, how long a shift is, how long breaks are, how many employees are needed to do said task. Just a number of workers speaking out at Trader Joe's. There's more to that video. Again, that is courtesy of an organization called More Perfect Union. You might want to check them out. More Perfect Union. On the last full day of Christmas shopping for most, which would be Christmas Eve, nearly 100 workers from Macy's Union Square flagship store, this is in San Francisco, went on strike staging themselves outside all five entrances. They chanted, don't shop Macy's, don't shop Macy's. And beside them was Scabby the Rat. Yeah, that got everybody's attention. Apparently, um, the contract talks have stalled, and these are members of UFCW, the Food and Commercial Workers, Local 5 in that area, very powerful union. And uh, one of the organizers said, we would like to thank all customers for not shopping at Macy's today. By turning your back on Macy's and not shopping with them, you support these union workers on strike fighting for a better contract and affordable care, health care, that is. The strikers continued until 7 p.m. on uh, Christmas Eve. Now, after the workers rejected a company offer, which was the week before, Union Square store 400 or so employees, again represented by Local 5 of the food and commercial workers, voted overwhelmingly to authorize that strike. And in response to the strike, it was just a two-day strike, Macy stated in an email that its top priority is to ensure the safety of our colleagues and our customers. Our Macy's Union Square store remains open to customers as well as colleagues. Well, A flyer distributed at the event read, despite more than $25 billion in sales and a profit of more than a billion dollars over the last 12 months, Macy's has offered its associates a pay increase of less than 2.5% an hour over three years while proposing to reduce staff, undermine seniority rights, and refusing to provide affordable health insurance. The result of the company's insulting offer would be increased poverty for workers and less customer service for shoppers. Boy, they have a good point there. Have you been in a retail outlet lately and trying to get somebody to wait on you? Mm, tough job. Macy's pulled workers from other uh, locations to make up for the shortage, according to uh, one of the employees who was at the protest. 
Most of the sales jobs inside were taken over by managers, non-union workers, and those employed by various brands. That, according to John Nunes, who's president of Local 5, Nunes said that the company is making an inadequate offer to both full and part-time workers who are currently paid an average of less than $22 per hour. For entry-level positions, the hourly wage is just above $17. Now, keep in mind, this is in San Francisco. You know the uh, cost of living over there. Oscar Orazzo, who is uh, Local 5's North Bay director, said many workers found the company's proposed contract just unacceptable, primarily because of the pay raise plan that he described as poultry and a health care plan that many described as unaffordable. Michelle Jones, who's 55, get this, she's been working at Macy's for 36 years and is now a clerk at the personal shopping office. She said she spent about $2,000 this summer on a dental infection. Why? Because the deductible on the health insurance offered by Macy's was too high. And right now, no negotiations with Macy's have been scheduled. Again, we'll shout out here to uh, Local 5 of the Food and Commercial Workers and their uh, struggle against Macy's in San Francisco. All right, quick break. Bill Blackman, business manager of IBEW Local 136, coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Real simple, that would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. Before we go to our first guest, just want to do another plug here. For the upcoming Martin Luther King Jr. Human Rights Conference that's going to take place next weekend in Washington, D.C. Here's the website you want to go to, themlkconference.org, themlkconference.org for more information. And to register, the theme for the conference this year is Claiming Our Power, Protecting Our Democracy, 
Attendees will hear from labor activists and workers at Starbucks and Amazon about their uh, organizing experience. Also, the labor movement's resurgence and what's next. In fact, we'll talk more about this on Friday when we uh, join Fred Redman, who's been very, very much engaged in this conference. And Fred is now the secretary-treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Let's go to uh, Birmingham, Alabama right now and join Bill Blackman. Bill was on the show about maybe nine, ten months ago, and he is the business manager for IBEW Local 136, which is based in uh, Birmingham, and they cover a big portion of uh, central Alabama. Bill Blackman, welcome back to America's Workforce. Happy New Year to you, brother. Happy New Year, Flash. Thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate being on your show. And where are you with uh, with uh, your membership? Last time uh, we checked in with you, it was about what nine hundred or so. Is that pretty uh, pretty constant? Yeah, we're 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 down a little bit from that. Flash, we we run in cycles with our work and our man hours and our opportunities to go to work. So our membership numbers kind of fluctuate a little bit. We're slightly below that nine hundred mark right now. I love your website right on the homepage, the most well-trained electrical workforce in Alabama. Did you come up with that line? I cannot take credit for that. And uh, that, One of the things I want to do on your show today is we're right here at the end of the year, you know, and, and, and we look back and we want to be sure and thank everybody that, that's been a big part of, of this past year and our successes and, and our attempts to be successful and all that. And one of them in particular is a fellow named Rutt Walker. He uh, he's a member of IBEW Local 613 over in Atlanta, Georgia, but mainly he's the owner of a communications company called Union Up, and uh, Rut has built our web pages. He does the filming and the content that we put out there for recruiting uh, with our our uh, our web page and our. He builds several landing pages for us, like the Alabama Electricians Wanted dot com and and things like that that we use in our recruiting. Been a fantastic asset to us, and he he built that. He's come up with most of the communications and and taglines that we have on that web page. Well, you do me a favor, brother. You get me his contact information because, as you know, in the world of uh, of today, communication is number one. Number Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to communicate. Well, first of all, you got to communicate with your members. That's important. Um, yeah. That's how, that's how you became business manager, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, but we have to go outside the box. So we got to spread the union message because you know this is the time. We got the right people in Washington. We got a labor secretary who understands unions, who is still part of a union, belongs that's to right. Liuna. And, um, and uh, there's a lot of organizing going on, and I know you're doing a lot of good stuff down there. But uh, this guy now, Rut Walker, is his name? Did I that, get that correctly? That is his name, yeah. Rut Walker, and his company is is Union Up. He he works with several unions throughout, uh, mostly the southeast, but all over the country uh, with, uh, with with things like this. It, it does a fantastic job. Talking about communicating with your members, he runs an electronic newsletter for us now that saves us a ton of money in in postage where we used to mail out paper newsletters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to get so him he, over to uh, South Carolina. The, you always had a story yesterday. Union density in South Carolina is one point seven percent. I mean, we <laughs> I think they are, yeah they have the lowest union density in the country. So definitely, we got we got some work to do there. But uh, last time we had John. 
Mm-hmm. You were telling us about this responsible bidder ordinance, and uh, I, I guess this was uh, it was uh, what back in March of last year. March of last year, we were able to get it pushed through as a as a resolution, and okay. it's going to spend a year on the books as a resolution, and in March of 2023 becomes an ordinance where they they have to uh, contractors with the city of Birmingham would then have to participate in a Department of Labor accredited apprenticeship. Here in Alabama, we, we our apprenticeships get that uh, Department of Labor accreditation by going through the Alabama Office of Apprenticeship. And uh, so it, the, the law actually reads that it has to have both. But if, you, if you're able to get the Alabama Office of Apprenticeship, you, that leads you into the Department of Labor accreditation. So in March of this year, it be, it essentially becomes law. Then, right? That's, that's right. That's right. And we're we're really looking forward to it. And I, I got to tell you, it's 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 helped us on uh, not just trying to get back and get some city work back, uh, but also on the recruiting end. Uh, it's given us kind of the best best scenario we could hope for. Some of the contractors that are are already doing city work have uh, reached out to us, and we've been able to start some conversations. Now, we hadn't landed that first big fish yet, but uh, we've, we've got them nibbling on the hook and, and interested in our program and understanding now a little better how our apprenticeship works and how it's funded and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully when it becomes an ordinance, we'll be able to land that big fish and, and get them on board here with us. Well, we want those big fish, no doubt about that. <laughs> now, Bill, why don't you explain? I, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening. I mean, primarily we have a union audience, but uh, again, we're talking communication here. Can can you explain to the people listening right now what that responsible, bitter law is going to do, how it's going to change things? Well, uh, it, we've spent years talking about as the baby boomer population begins to retire we're going to lose our our craftsmen and if we don't start training craftsmen uh it's going to be a lost art um you know nobody knows how to uh, uh the pyramids were built anymore because everybody that knew how died out and they didn't didn't train the next generation we, we don't need to go that route we need to train our next generation and not have to rediscover how to build something um uh, we just need to find ways to improve upon the, the old ways, and and the only way to do that is to train that that next generation of craftsmen. And if you're uh, participating in a Department of Labor uh, accredited apprenticeship, you're getting that well-rounded training. You're you're being provided those opportunities to become that craftsman. And so instead of throwing money. At just advertising and saying, "Hey, we got a um, uh, a situation here where where there's going to be some job opportunities." We're actually putting some some meat to it, and not just saying, "Hey, there's going to be some opportunities here." We're going to create some opportunities, and uh, everybody that's participated and gone through an apprenticeship knows that you can't uh, you, you can't. You can't train the next generation if you don't have opportunities to put them to work. On-the-job training is such a, a vital a vital cog in the wheel to keep your apprenticeships rolling. So when you have a responsible bidder ordinance in play, you know, especially if you're going to go to a union shop, you're going to get the best 
the most well-trained people, in your case, it would be IBEW Local 136, to do that job. And, and, Absolutely. And, we've been we've been training here since 1942 with our apprenticeship. Um, the uh, we, We've got this down pat. It's already established. Like I said, you're not having to reinvent the wheel. It's it's already here. It's it's it, it's working. It works. We just need the opportunities for our young men to get the and men and women to get the training that they need to be that next generation, be the leaders for the future. Bill, how many um, how many apprentices do you have in your program right now? Uh, a little over a hundred and fifty. We took. Uh, uh, we're, we're, we took 45 into this year's class that we started in, in September. And by Christmas, um, and first year is where you have your biggest attrition. And I'm afraid we, we, we really got hit this year with uh, some, some heavy attrition with the, some of it, the people getting into the program and finding out, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be and that sort of thing. So we're down on that first year class to about half of what we took in. So we're we're going to have to make up for that in the future years, and we want to get a better selection of uh, uh, of candidates that have a better understanding of what is going on. We're, we're trying to participate in several several programs. We were actually uh, uh, able to participate in a large high school event, statewide event that was held here in Birmingham, uh, for seniors and juniors in high schools, and we're able to get all the crafts in front of in front of those high school kids and let them know it was here. And and uh, actually, we had a virtual reality trainer. We were able to demonstrate some of what, which is really speaking those kids' language, uh, able to demonstrate some of what electrical work is. And that's what we've got to do a better job of with the with the kids is is having them understand when they come in what electrical work is. Yeah, yeah. Use the technology that's available. That's definitely one one way to reach right. the younger generation. Bill that's Blackman right. joining us on our live line today. He's business manager of IBEW Local 136. They're based in Birmingham, Alabama. We'll continue speaking with him later in the show. We're going to check in with Dave Meganhart on behalf of the United Labor Agency, a proud sponsor, one of the many proud sponsors of America's Workforce. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll free at 1-800-443-3752. 
Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just do this. Sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so keep them coming. Let's go back to Birmingham, Alabama. Rejoin Bill Blackman. Bill is the business manager of IBEW Local 136. Chartered... In 1912, their first meetings were held at the Stag Saloon in downtown Birmingham. I went to the webpage, which is ibew136.org, and you can still see a picture of the Stag Saloon. Well, you saw the picture in 1912. Now, it's not a saloon anymore. I'm just wondering, what's the situation right now with the Stag Saloon there, Bill? The building still stands uh, that the the saloon was in, and and uh, you know it's our first, like you said, our first meeting halls were 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 in the back rooms there of that stag saloon, which uh, you know I don't know that that was always the 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 smartest move, but it was the biggest rooms available at the time, and and that's where our membership started. But we moved on from there and uh, moved on to a place with that got nicknamed the Bloody Bucket. Uh, and it was nicknamed that because it was it, we'd go have a union meeting and too many fights would break out. Everybody'd leave with a busted lip. So <laughs> again, I I'm sure surprised. there was alcohol involved in that one too. So <laughs> what a great story! Thanks for sharing that one. The bloody bucket—that's what I want to stay away from. All right, I have to ask you. Uh, about uh, getting our uh, members in uh, 136 to become business owners. And, and I know this has been going on for years, but apparently there's an organization that you've been working with. And I recall talking to you about this last time we had you on the show. And I, I guess it's starting to really happen where uh, union brothers and sisters are saying, you know what, uh, maybe I should start my own business, but I'm going to need some help. Can you explain what's going on? Because this is, in a way, it's a good way to organize, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We had Matt Kobinski, and I, I, I believe I introduced him uh, to you guys the, the last time I was on the show. Uh, he comes in and does, has done like a two different three-day classes for everything that your journeyman wireman on the job working with these tools doesn't think about that that goes into being a business owner uh, from from how to build an LLC to to accounting, payroll, the whole nine yards. And uh, I'm trying to go an, another step beyond that. Matt's program's fantastic. The only problem is I'm in Birmingham, and Matt's based out of Cincinnati. 
so a lot of his mentoring has to be done over the phone and that sort of thing. And that's the beauty part about Matt's program. He, 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 as long as you stay a union contractor, he's your partner. He's he's going to help you out. But uh, trying to find some local uh, talent and to, to to help mentor along the way as well. And and uh, I'm trying to build a, a program with a, a nonprofit called Collaborative Franchise Systems. It's run by a gentleman named Dr. Robert Needham. He's uh, his goal is to build a better and stronger small businesses and uh, more success. And we'd really like to get our our gentleman maybe having regular meetings with, uh, with with him locally that are interested in becoming contractors. And sometimes you think you're you're interested in becoming a contractor, and you go to some of these classes and learn some of the things that you don't think about, and you realize. Hey, it's not for me, and, and that's fine too. That's an advantage both ways for us. That way, you've not wasted your time. We've not w- wasted time getting people over to you, and you're you turn around and and say this isn't isn't my cup of tea and go out of business. So um, we're we're doing all kind of outside the box type things that 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 your traditional unions didn't didn't go down these paths but we're having to do it because we live in a state here in alabama with a a a governor that says the unions have uh their their usefulness has outlived themselves so um we we, we've got to think outside the box down here for sure yeah well i I understand that in the southern states it's really really difficult alabama though you know when you compare alabama to other states you're doing pretty well when it comes to organizing, I mentioned uh, South Carolina. I know that state all too well because the former governor there, Nikki Haley, said if you had a union business, we don't even want you to locate or relocate to the state of uh, South Carolina. But, you know, that that's the, the sad part about all this is politicians listen to the business owners. They don't necessarily listen to the union brothers and sisters. That's right. So I get I get what they're what you're trying to do here. Now, let me ask you: Is, is are you connecting? Are, are your members at one thirty six saying, "You know what? I, I think I'm going to go down that path. Help me out. Maybe I need a SBA loan. Maybe I need a grant or something like that." Is that starting to happen at one thirty six, Bill? It, it it it's planted the seeds in people's in people's mind. Now, I haven't really had anything come to fruition uh, yet. Uh, We've had a couple of new contractors come on board that are just getting started. I can't brag about any successes there just because they haven't been signed on long enough yet. But uh, I fully believe that they're going to be successful with this and just got to give them the help and the support they need for the next few months to get their feet uh, grounded and, and moving forward. Gotcha. Okay, got a couple of minutes left here. What's the outlook here for for work in uh, in Birmingham, Central Alabama? I mean, we, uh, you, as you know, there's a lot of good policies that came out of Washington in the first two years. Infrastructure Act, for one, um, is that is that kind of filtering its way over to Alabama in your area, or what? Absolutely, but as I mentioned before, we have our state politicians that try to, um, and they're from a different party from where those. Those, those policies and, and, and programs are coming from and, and 
do everything they can to try to uh, get in our way. Uh, so we battle that, battle that quite a bit, Flash. I'm 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 afraid. And and uh, like you said about Nikki Haley uh, saying don't want unions, and our our governor stood up and told uh, an audience that was half made up of labor and half made up of management that her proudest moment was signing right to work law into our state constitution. Uh, yeah. So, so we're fighting some of those same battles and, and, uh, I, I can't, I can't say that our, our state politicians have done anything to, to, uh, uh take advantage of, uh, everything that Washington has put out for us. That doesn't mean we're not trying to push it. We're not trying to do it. Um, I heard Mayor Woodfin, uh, mayor of uh, the city of Birmingham, describe Birmingham as a, a, a we're a blueberry in the middle of a bowl of tomato soup. Right. So we're the we're the only blue county in the whole state. So uh, hopefully, city of Birmingham, Mayor Woodfin's tight uh, with uh, and and had Secretary Walsh come down a few times to Birmingham. Uh, so hopefully, we're going to start seeing some of the the positive things there through the city of Birmingham. Sounds like we need more blueberries in uh, That's right. In the state That's of right. Alabama. Absolutely. We need a we need a blueberry cobbler going instead of a bowl of tomato soup. I'm telling you. <laughs> well said, my man. Bill Blackman, business manager of IBEW Local 136 IBEW 136.org. Keep the faith, stay strong, keep focused. I know you're the man for the job. So let's uh, let's keep in touch. And uh, uh, make sure you get me Rut Walker's information. We'd like to get him on the show and talk more. Hey, I about will, Flash. And, and if I could have just a, a point of personal privilege for just a minute, there, there's another member I, I really want to thank, Brendan Migliori. He's an executive board member, and he has taken our social media and just took off running with it and uh, getting some national attention and that sort of thing for us. And I really, I won't, I, I won't. Uh, Brother Migliori to know how much I appreciate him and what he's done for our local union this past year. And then also to congratulate Brother Brandon Bishop, the new Secretary Treasurer for NAB2, uh, the North American Building Trades Union. Uh, he He's from the Operating Engineers here in Birmingham, longtime friend and brother. And congratulations to him. But I, I appreciate you having me on, Flash. Thank you so much. Right. You got it. We'll stay in touch with you, brother. Again, Bill Blackman, business manager, IBW Local 136. All right, quick break. Dave Meganhart on behalf of the United Labor Agency coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. 
We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to line number two. Welcome. Longtime supporter of America's workforce, that would be the United Labor Agency, ulagency.org. You mentioned that website so many times on the show. Dave Meganhart serves as executive director, and he's here to talk about the Fresh Start program. And as you well know, it's not just in Cleveland, Ohio, where the ULA is based, but opioid addiction is ravaging America. It's calmed down a little bit, but it's still a big problem, big problem, especially in the trades I mean, it's ridiculous because, you know, people get addicted to painkillers. I mean, they're working hard on the job. They get injured on the job. So what are we going to do about it? Well, there's a program called Fresh Start. And Dave Meganhart, welcome back to the show. Talk to me about this uh, New Year Fresh Start program. Go ahead, brother. Right. Right. It's a fresh year, fresh start. Um, And it's good to be back on the show. So there are estimates in Ohio alone that, about 200,000 individuals are addicted to some some form of opioid. So you're right. It's still uh, this this uh, scourge and this pandemic in its own right uh, uh, is still with us. And, you know, kind of was pushed in the background, you know, with, uh, you know, COVID and all of that. So, uh, but it's every day it's ravaging people, it's ravaging families, it's ravaging employers, it's ravaging unions. And as you said, uh, we have, there's a big problem in the trades uh, with it. So this program that was developed at the state of Ohio and that ULA um, is performing throughout Cuyahoga County. And I mean, the good news is too that um, we've been cited as the best practice, the best practice nationally in our ability to be able to deliver this program and how we're delivering it and who we're reaching. So we have um, a lot of accolades for, you know, the um, what we've been able to do uh, with the money and how we've been able to help people. So, you know, the idea is pretty basic. Um, it's and it's not just for people that are addicted to opioids or previously addicted. So. The only question that we ask is, do you, a friend or a member of your family, have a history of opioid use? So if you answer that question um, in the affirmative, then you're eligible for um, this this program. The idea behind that, of course, is that you know, opioid use, use doesn't just affect the individual. It affects the family, right? It affects anybody that's around them. It affects um it affects our entire society. So if you think about 200,000 uh, people in Ohio that are estimated to be addicted uh, or have a problem with opioids right now, multiply that times five or six, right? you could have very well 10% of the population of Ohio that has infected in some way with this, uh, with this problem. So answer that question affirmatively. 
um, we have, and then it allows you to, you know, access the services and the services are, you know, are individualized counseling, uh, both, uh, social, mental, and career counseling. Because again, the this, you know, because we are a workforce development program, ultimately our goal always is to get people back into work um, and to, you know, have them, you know, create and uh, work with standing wages, right? So, um, so it, you, you get in, you get counseling. And again, we go, we can go to training, there's special funds set aside, for people to go to training um, and get placed into jobs. Now, the, the good thing about that is because of the uh, nature of the addiction and the nature of what happens, um, a lot of people lose their jobs, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. get um, dislocated and they are, and one of the, one of the tried and true, uh, you know, ideas behind recovery is that it can really help somebody in recovery to regain a footing in the economy, get a job, have structure, know that they, you know, if they slip up, they'll lose that job. And, uh, and so that we, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get, find people, get them connected back uh, into the workforce and then provide supports throughout the program that can help them, you know, continue on and to keep that job. So, um, like I said, we, you know, what we do too, is we, we send our uh, staff out, uh, to, uh, a lot of, um, the addiction facilities throughout Cuyahoga County. Uh, we talk to the counselors, we talk to the men and women that are in the facilities. If it's, uh, we feel it's appropriate if they're in a, you know, if they're in the, on the level of that, they're ready to attempt to go back to work, you know, if they're later on in their recovery because you can't get it too early, you know, because they, a lot of times they can fall off or they can, uh, you know, um, start using again, but uh, through a series of, you know, kind of assessment and kind of talking and counseling uh, with their um, drug addiction counselors and themselves. And we determine whether they're ready for it. And then we, you know, we put them through the program. So again, it's, a, I think it, it's absolutely um essential kind of step in the recovery process. And we're very proud to be able to provide this to Cuyahoga County. So how does the ULA fit into this whole thing? This is a program specifically for Cuyahoga County and do you help facilitate it then or what? Yeah, we do. We run it. So we, we know we, we get the money from the state of Ohio um, through Ohio means jobs. um, And ULA staff are the ones that, uh, do the counseling and they find the people and they, you know, they, they work with them through the entire process. Right. So okay. it's, you know, the ULA is the grantee. Let me ask you this, Dave, um, are people getting second chances at their jobs? It sounds like, you know, there's some employers, you know, obviously they got an opioid addiction and say, I'm yeah. done with you. Uh, f- forget it. You're not coming back. Then again, you've got sympathetic employers. Uh, is there right. a mix going on here or what? I think there's a mix. Uh, we also work with employers. Um, we've had several seminars about how you create a um, a recovery friendly workplace, and you know we, we put them through a series of questions and best policies, and um, because that's that's the other part of it too, right? Because you have to have uh, employers that are willing to uh, stick with the process. 
process and right. and to put in policies in place that can help that recovery. You know, because it it can be and it and sometimes it's not it's counterintuitive, right? If so, a recovery friendly workplace doesn't mean that you are trying to allow people to use bodily work, right? Or, or there, you know, or it's you know, because sometimes it can be if you use, you will lose your job. Right. And that can be the impetus for somebody to stay clean because they know that if they use, you know, they, you know what I mean? It's like the structure of the process and it's the structure of the job that can help them get through recovery. So, um, so yes, we've had, you know, we work with employers individually. We've had group seminars with them. Um, and I think it's an, it's an important point of it. Now, the other part of it is that with, you know, the economy right now and how tight the labor market is, and we've talked about it on the show before. Um, and so I think there's a lot more openness to um, that you're not going to necessarily just find replacements on the street for all of the skills that somebody's developed in your workplace and you don't want to throw them away if they've you know, run into this uh, problem. Mm-hmm. So I think we've seen, we've seen a new willingness for people to really stick with with people that um, that they're employing. That's good to hear. Yeah. Another question here, Dave. Um, we know how social programs, and this is a social program, sure. how they're funded. Is there enough money in the pot to make this to make this really really work? I mean, there right now, I would say that there is enough money in the pot. Um, I think that we have we're we're well-funded for what we're able to do or what we have to do. You know, I think that the trouble will come as it, you know, as it stays with us, because this is not, there's no quick fix to this. Right. This is like, this is endemic in our society. This is something that, you know, you really feel like it, it will never be rooted out. <laughs> so it might lessen it, it might, you know, but you have, we have to continually fight this. Um, and it's going to take years, you know, yeah. it's, it's really going to take years. So, uh, that's what my worry would be two or three years from now, right? Like as the, you know, as the numbers are going down or as it, as it sort of goes off the headlines and, you know, we believe that it's, you know, going to be, it's over, um, you know, then, you know, you, you could use the same example as COVID, right? Where, People are still dying. People are still getting infected, but it's kind of like everybody's kind of tired of it, right? They're just really not talking about it, and yeah. uh, you know, and it, and it becomes more hidden again. So. I'm sure you pique the interest of a lot of people right now. What's the best advice you can give? Uh, go to the website, the UL Agency website, if anybody wants yes. to get connected. Yes, go. Yeah, go to the website, uh, call our number, um, and uh, we will we will hook you up immediately. We'll get Good. we'll get um, our organizers and uh, counselors uh, to help. Good stuff. Fresh start program there on behalf of the United Labor Agency. All right. You got a job fair coming up in a couple of weeks yeah. into the month. Let's uh, let's get yeah. into some details here. What's what's this yeah. all about? Yeah. So we're um, I've been working with uh, Euclid uh, Mayor Holzheimer Gale, uh, Gail Holzheimer, I'm sorry. Um, and um, she, you know, is working with the um, Euclid Chamber of Commerce. So they're putting on a job fair on January 27th, and it really is to highlight employers in um, Euclid. And so we're you kind of, you know, we're working with the employers in Euclid we're, and the surrounding suburbs for trying to get people 
to come to this job fair. And, you know, it's really, it has some, it's going to be at uh, more counseling and mediation services, which is right on Euclid Avenue. It's uh, 22639 Euclid Avenue. And it's going to be on January 27th from 1 to 3. So January 27th, 1 to 3 at more counseling and mediation services. You were going to have our representatives there too um, from United Labor Agency and Ohio Means Jobs to be able to sign people up because if there's an employer, if there's no employers that are appropriate for the people that come, we want to be able to um, talk with them, follow up with them, and then work with them after the job fair too. Uh, so we'll be there. ODOT's going to be there, the city of Euclid, Hosemaster, Dollar Bank, um, Vector Technical, uh, Euclid Hospital, you know, so it's kind of, it's, uh, it's uh, kind of all over the place for fifth, third bank, Dave supermarkets. The, the idea I think is there, they're trying to do a wide swath. I mean, as we know, every employer has in, uh, uh, hiring needs right now, but there's a wide swath of all different kind of, um, uh, industry sectors. So that can, uh, that are in a, varying levels of skill levels too. So, you you know to try to be as inclusive as possible for the people that are coming in. But again, if if you know job fairs are kind of notorious for hard having a hard match, right? You go to the job fair. There's a lot of employers, but maybe there's not a job that's directly for you. Um, that's why we're there too to be able to say, okay, maybe there's not somebody here for you today, but maybe tomorrow we find you a job. You know, we're constantly working with employers. We're constantly getting people jobs. You know, we'll. We, like I said in the past, we place anywhere between two and three thousand people a year. So we work with a lot of employers in Cuyahoga County, and uh, we, we know a lot of HR managers. And uh, you know, so I, I would just encourage everybody that is looking for work. You know, it's a, again, it's a great time to get if you're if you're not attached to the workforce or if you don't like your job or if you're kind of like have a part-time job and you want to go full-time or if you want to be full-time and you want to go part-time, whatever, whatever your mm-hmm. desire is, this is really the time in which you, go. you can you know, take advantage of it. All right. Sounds good. Again, that job fair will be January 27th, ulagency.org for more information on what Dave is talking about. Dave, you take care. Thank you for joining us. Dave Meganhart. Executive Director of the United Labor Agency. That's it for another show. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to check in with the Maritime Trades Department of the AFL-CIO and the latest from the heat and frost insulators. Until then, all of you, have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.